Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Reynolds, the author of Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and you are so lucky because right now you're tuned in to the Ultimate Spin. Ultimate Spin. This is Ultimate Spin. Welcome to the Spider-Man podcast that looks at a different corner of the web and follows the ongoing adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. My name is Jack and I'm one of your hosts and in this episode we're catching up with Miles' adventures in Tokyo in Spider-Man issue 21. My name is Brian and if this is your first time checking out our show then we invite you to visit ultimatespinpodcast.com. You can find show notes and follow along with everything we'll discuss in this episode. Plus, you can download or stream shows for pretty much every Miles and Gwen issue to date. You can also check out our exclusive in-depth conversations with the writers and artists who bring these characters to life. And most importantly, if you're listening to this, then we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com and tell us what you think of the stories, the art, the characters, whatever else is on your mind. This podcast is by fans and for fans, so we'd love to feature your comments on the show. And what an issue this was. So much so much to talk about. I, I feel like we should just kind of get right into it. Yeah. And it's my turn for a recap. So let's get stuck in, shall we? Just to give you guys a little summary, if it's been a while since you've read the issue or you're listening to this way off in the distant future, allow me to summarize Spider-Man 21 for you. Miles' adventure in Japan continues as he is questioned once again by Tomoe. However, we quickly transition to better times in the past as Miles is discussing how to talk to girls with Uncle Aaron. This kind of proves that Aaron wasn't just a bad guy after all. Miles puts this to good use in his conversation and connection to Tomoe and he seems to be developing a little something with her. He then realises he's in way deeper than he thought and it's a whole Yakuza thing and it's not going so well. Naturally, Miles calls his dad and Jefferson is shocked, supportive, and tells him to ditch the mysterious nanotech tuxedo as soon as he can. Of course, this leaves Miles just with his Spider-Man costume and naturally, he gets caught by Tomoe and her other cronies very quickly. He does manage to dispatch them though with, yep, yeah, you guessed it, a Super Saiyan Venom Blast again. Hooray! Miles escapes and eventually heads back to the US completely exhausted and missing web shooters. Finally, we end in dark and rainy street with Jefferson confronting none other than Nathan Summers himself, Cable. Crazy. What? Like, if I can have a one-word summary? Yeah. Cable? Yeah. <laughs> cable. Right. Really? Really, Brian Michael Bendis? Re- you're going with Cable? Okay. That is so far left field that we've pretty much circumnavigated <laughs> the entire globe and just come back right around to the other side. Exactly. Unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very strange ending, but uh, let, let's let's come back round to let's start at the start, shall we? This cover, I, I just want to address this cover because we've been commenting the last couple of episodes how the covers and the solicits haven't really lined up with the actual content of the issue. But this cover, Patrick Brown, I, this is the Saturday morning cartoon we have always needed. I mean, it looks like a Blu-ray cover for, like, season one of Spider-Man. Totally. Beautiful, beautiful piece. And I really like the lighting, just the center of the web and the kind of dark blues. And you've got the starscape behind Nova and the city streets behind Peter. Ah, oh, it's, it's beautiful and amazing. And you've even got an explosion yeah. <laughs> going on as well. It's, it's- and he can do darker stuff, but we've said, like, his style has generally been lighter. And for me, it was, like, tonally, 
it was never more a perfect fit than with this issue, because this issue for me was overall pretty upbeat and fun. Let's get into it. Like I said in the recap, it's a very quick switcheroo, because we get the Tomoe saying, uh, you didn't answer me, Miles, what's going on? And then we flash back to a very young-looking Miles. <laughs> it's strange seeing the character age now and thinking how long we've been following his adventures and how long this character's been around in, in the real world and in the, the Marvel Universe as we know it as well. And having that little moment with Aaron is just as, like you said, Brian, it, it's lighthearted, it's sweet, it's nice. We had a few really dark, deep, psychological, important issues for Rio and Jefferson and Miles and their whole family dynamic. This was just some classic, ah, uh, it's your good old uncle telling you how to talk to girls kind of thing, which yeah. I think is a really nice little touch. Absolutely. And even structurally from the writing side, I noticed that, oh, we're doing a flashback. But I don't know if you remember, last issue was set up as a flashback, right? Because we, we were talking about how, you know, we we're kind of jumping into the action. Then how did we get here? Like, how did Miles get to Japan? And in this issue, Ben has seemed to have just kind of ditched that framework for moving the story forward, which is fine by me. So it was kind of like this Russian nesting doll kind of thing, like a flashback within a flashback. I loved how it was a positive memory of Uncle Aaron, like which is something we haven't really seen. And the art, certainly the colors, and there were two colors on this issue. So Justin Ponser had help from Jason Keith. And I wonder if Jason Keith had done this scene with Aaron because the colors felt kind of brighter and warmer. Mm. And it just really, Nico Leon did an incredible job of capturing young Miles. And I love those two panels when we kind of jump back to the present moment and miles is like pondering the situation like aaron says just tell the truth and miles is pondering it and then a couple years later he's like hmm well okay i'm just gonna tell you what happened yeah you literally watch miles age from panel to panel it's beautifully done yeah the the mirrored pose is a really brilliant idea and just i love miles just kind of being out of his depth like how did he end up in japan how did he end up in this crazy situation like wearing this tux and who gave it to him and what's going on and then he just kind of gives up almost like all right i just got this tuxedo i really don't know what's going on i should probably leave and then tomoe throws him for a loop by wanting to get some time alone with him specifically on her rooftop not her dad's rooftop definitely her Tomoe's just asking questions and stuff, and she's speaking in, I think she's purposefully speaking in these very broken sentences, I'm like, it's supposed to, stop pulling on it, blah, 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 like she says three or four words at a time, mm-hmm. just to kind of grab his attention, and I know a lot of people say Brian Michael Bendis is a bit too wordy at times, and of course, you know, we've seen that with the the time of talking head scenes over the years, but he is a master of dialogue, if Brian Michael Bendis is a master of anything, I think dialogue and having those little character moments is the thing that he is the absolute man in modern comics. He is the master of that. And it's brilliant just seeing Miles's face shift, but Tomoe barely moves and is saying like three or four words at a time. And just with those few words, she throws him totally off balance. He's suddenly sweating and wide eyed and inhuman. What inhuman? What are you talking about? I have no idea. Oh my God. And he's suddenly freaking out. It's a great dynamic too, that, you know, that slightly flirtatious, approach that she's taking and how he's so caught off guard and i'm so intrigued to see like where that could go going forward if this is going to be an ongoing thing is your prediction of the bendis verse coming true brian and we're going to see tomoe be a recurring character do you think i don't know there there's definitely i don't know if it's a spark but there's there's something percolating there and of course the next thing that happened 
is Jefferson. I have to say, as as a dad to a, a preteen, this whole scene just it's sappy, but it just warmed my heart. Like I love the fact that <laughs> he can call his dad. I mean, that's that's Jefferson doing it right as a dad. I love that. And and I was also intrigued just on a side note, like I don't, have we ever seen Jefferson in a suit? Know oh, what he I does know. for a living? Like, where is yeah. he going? What was he doing? So that's that stood out to me. Like, he's usually, I don't think we've ever found out what he does. Actually, it was mentioned in Ultimate Spider-Man 23.5. There was a panel where Rio said, have fun at Wall Street. We know he's a financier. Hold on, true believers. I'm talking about, you know, Marvel 616 or Marvel Prime. Where we're, where we're <laughs> so I don't know what he does in this universe. We don't know what anyone does anymore because we don't <laughs> know what universe we're in. This is true. <laughs> and I like the moment where they both realize that somebody else is playing them and particularly using Miles for their own gain. And as I, as I mentioned earlier on with my shocked surprise, Cable's involved somehow and... I don't know why Cable would be involved and why he would need Miles, considering he's a time-traveling cyborg. (laughs) But okay. I really love the moment, just to kind of finish off that Jefferson scene, of him responding to the texts out loud and the phone almost like answering him in text form, just to show, you're not in control, Jefferson. A great moment to kind of remind the reader, very much like myself as well, that there is a bigger thing going on here. And let's let's talk about the centerpiece of this issue with the big brawl, Miles and ninjas with laser swords, and <laughs> he's beating up ninjas ninjas with laser swords with a, a lamp. I, I can't be the only one who immediately thought of Kill Bill and the Bride yeah. versus the Crazy Eighty Eights with that setup. But yeah, Absolutely. and then Jackie Chan, and I, that was that was another reference out of left field and i actually asked bendis on twitter about the jackie chan movie that miles is sort of remembering and being inspired by and bendis said uh he said i'm very excited for you to discover these awesome movies drunken master 2 or the legend of drunken master is what you're looking for i love the drunken master movie. i'm a huge jackie chan fan I, I grew up watching those things as a kid so i'm excited for you to get stuck into some classic martial arts And Jackie Chan, just to go on a a little tangent here, Jackie Chan is a unique guy in the martial arts realm, especially in the era that he was working in the 80s and and 90s and even into the early 2000s. I think he's still active today, in fact, but he brought so much humor and so much unique, intricate choreography to his scenes. Like A lot of these guys took it very seriously, like Bruce Lee and so many other martial artists are these iconic iconic film stars but everyone kind of took it quite seriously and he brought that humor and yeah he's going to beat up 10 ninjas with a lamp because that's ridiculous but also how badass is a guy who can beat up 10 ninjas with a lamp (laughs) imagine what he can do if he had a laser sword (laughs) and speaking of this action scene i thought nico leon's Again, facial expressions going on with Miles and Tomoe screaming and grimacing and gritting their teeth against each other. Fantastic stuff. Really, really cool. You get a real sense of motion blur and everything like that. And even some of the ninjas like creeping up on Miles from behind and kick him across rooms. And yeah, it's a it's a great little scene. And I feel like it's very, very dense what three pages we go through for that entire pretty much that entire scene until the until the venom blast which we'll get to i'm sure we'll get to i I just put the first page of the fight where the i have that panel layout is really unusual and kind of all over the place and it worked for me i mean it 
kind of mirrors the motion of Miles in the air and swinging around and coming back down to drop that guy. As uh, Aaron is saying, you know, you go after the first guy and then that guy becomes your weapon. That the that layout works <laughs> so well. Definitely, yeah. It's a real kind of jagged. I mean, we mentioned the webs on the front cover. It's almost that kind of vibe of webbing, almost exploding from that central panel of him swinging him around by his ankle. Well, you mentioned exploding and we get that hilarious panel of a big Jackie Chan grin and then you turn the page and then what happens, Jack? The big Venom Blast. Not the little one. The big, I explode with concussive electricity for no reason type rubbish that happens with Miles seemingly arbitrarily, but just knocks everyone out no matter no matter who or what, because, yeah, it's a deus ex machina once again. I'm, I'm going to put something out there that, that might be a little controversial. Uh-oh. I actually did not mind it. I think because we saw in the last major fight with Hammerhead, where he got the crap kicked out of him, basically, why didn't he use it in that moment? Um, so it was interesting to see Miles taken down, knocked out. And in this one, when he did use it, he was exhausted at the end and actually said, ow, I don't think that was an arbitrary decision. So to me, it was like, okay, I, that, those two, taken in context, like those two things, I forgave it. You're not on board. Nope. No, I, I appreciate, again, I appreciate the, as you said, he's tired at the end, part of it. And him losing his web shooters is a, is a nice little touch as well with the, the laser sword crackling down and and kind of wrecking everything in sight. But this is some Dragon Ball Z type thing. That's <laughs> some anime bullshit right here. It's a massive Deus Ex Machina. I got gotcha. you. It's, it's a power they gave to Superman in the <laughs> yeah, DC I... comics as like a whoa, this is a bit overpowered. And Superman killed himself using it. Spoilers for like two years ago in Superman comics. Why why does Miles have this? Why is what what is happening? Why does he have this? The sting fine, like I said, I can I can't forgive it. It's still still too too powerful. He's still knocking out demons in a single touch and stuff like that. But the blast is it's a step too far for me, Brian. I, I can't I can't be hacking it. I can't I got you. It. No, no. I and these are all things I have said myself on the show. These are things I've written in reviews for all of the issues to date, anytime it comes up. Yeah. It's, it's a, what the hell is that? Like it's a, it's the end fight now button. I get it, but just, I, I am on board with the momentum of this new direction. I think I was so excited to see this is these past two issues, this sort of mini arc, take things in a completely new direction. And this question that's coming to miles and he's asking like, do I need to be Spider-Man or can I do my own thing? And this was just like a little flavor of doing something completely different. And so I feel like there's there's some momentum there. And I showing him exhausted at the end suggests to me, and I, I know I'm projecting and it's wish, wishful thinking, hopefully it'll come <laughs> to pass, that there's more to be told with it. Oh, the one thing I, I always wanted to see with the Venom Blast and even the Super Version is just some sort of consequence. Now you have the guy exhausted at the end, like, okay, that's a start. And we've got time. We've got, we still have like a year to go. I'm not changing your mind. I just know that no, that's just where, I'm, that's where I'm coming not. from on it. So finally, Miles returns. We, of course, get a fantastic little Genki moment. And I like that, for whatever reason, Japanese crime syndicate 
makes the Daily Bugle news? Like, <laughs> why is a New York <laughs> newspaper reporting on Japanese crime stories? I, I guess because it turns in. It, sorry. I guess because it kind of ties into Spider-Man and, hey, look, they might have a Spider-Man over there as well, sure. That was another moment that stood out to me when Tim always said, you're a Spider-Man, not your Spider-Man. You got a bunch of these. So, again, it's like, I feel like these, they're not random choices. I mean, you were mentioning he's a master of dialogue. I don't think that was, I think that was very deliberate. Yeah, I think you're totally right. So what do you think about Miles's future? Like, we've got Cable here and talking about international espionage you got miles in a tux the future of international espionage and your son is a centerpiece of it what do you think of miles possibly not being spider-man anymore but being forgive me the amazing spider-man oh no brian (laughs) no S-P-Y-D-A-Man. I'm not having that. <laughs> That's your dad joke for the episode, Brian. I'm, I'm, a, I'm allowed one, I'm, and I used it. <laughs> but what do you, I mean, what do you think if, it, do you think we could move in that direction? And and would you still want to read? Yeah, yeah. I, I read Miles because he's Miles. I don't, I'm not a huge Spider-Man kind of reader through my like I have no particular nostalgic ties to Spider-Man, as you and Dan discovered in the Generations episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I read Miles and Gwen because I think they're interesting characters. Even if they weren't Spider-Woman and Spider-Man, respectively, I would still read their books. Like I, I would read a Mary Jane spin-off, as we discussed on a on a Gwen episode before. I would read the High School Adventures of. Ganky and Miles and Fabian and all those guys just ha- hanging out and yeah yeah I- I'm intrigued to see where he's going and a few people from Marvel and some of the solicitations are hinting at Miles is no longer going to be Spider-Man and the cover for the next issue which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a moment is something's going on there possibly and how and why Cable is involved I don't know. It's very odd. And I, I did find the the very, very last panel very... It, it's a comics cliche. It's the classic comics cliche. His eye glows for no reason because that always happens with Cable, despite <laughs> the fact there's no light for that to be glinting off. But like, he's got the flair. He's from the 90s. Yeah, exactly. It's a <laughs> 90s thing. He's He's got pouches. He's got a cape. He's got scars. He's from the 90s. And also from like the 25th century or whatever he's actually from so that is what we thought of this issue and we heard from some of you guys as well we got an email from our friend lawrence e minor the second who said i really like the interaction between miles and tomoe the techno golem i hope to see more of her in his book you cannot tell me there wasn't some ship teasing between the two yeah we, we saw that too for sure lawrence <laughs> definitely uh, i saw miles blushing while she adjusted his bow tie I saw that look Tomoe gave him at the end of the fight before she passed out. I think Bendis is trying to tell us something. I think she may become the black cat to Miles' Spider-Man in the future. Yeah, I, I am definitely picking up on that chemistry as well. I, I think there'll be a fun sort of antagonistic slash flirtatious thing happening in the future, which is which is great. I think that would be a good good thing for the character. I totally agree. Yeah, I like the kind of... I, I didn't really think of that dynamic with the black cat Spider-Man tying in with Tomoe and Miles, but I think that would work really well. Next up, we have a tweet from Pete at Mr. Belgrave. It's one of the better issues I've read in a long while. Things actually happened. 
He enjoyed the lessons that Aaron gave Miles and shows that he wasn't just a villain to him after all. Three words? More of this. It's nice to have people, because I know quite a few people have found the recent kind of slow pace hard to deal with, and uh, as Pete so rightly said, things actually happened. So I feel like we got some action, we got some development, Miles travelled a lot back in the US. It was a good issue overall. I, I agree with you, Pete. Next up, we have an email from our old friend and former co-host, Kyle McPherson. Who? who wrote in. Yeah. Kyle, who? <laughs> I can resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> our pal Kyle wrote in uh, with a comment on Spider-Man 2. So I've not read any of the Miles books since I left. Ah. But having listened to you guys talk about Spider-Man 2, it's just a reminder of what I've said before. Obviously, I wanted it to be great, but this was always only going to be a disappointment. In all honesty, the question as to who the 616 Miles is lost its appeal when Secret Wars happened. Why has the majority of the Marvel Universe had its versions of characters thrown together, but Miles is one of a handful that are able to exist, especially when Miles is perfectly aware that Secret Wars happened? Just because he erased his records of existence, like when John Darwin faked his death, Google it, doesn't stop him from actually existing. It's a good point Kyle brings up because a lot of the characters in Secret Wars were either unknowingly mashed together with their alternate versions and just became, you know, the prime version of that character, or they were aware of what was happening and even so reluctantly like, oh no, what's going to happen to me in the future? Will ultimate me still exist? Ah. And some people have just arbitrarily escaped that for whatever reason. And I see Kyle's point in you didn't get to like choose. You don't like physically like mash together. It's not some to, to reference Dragon Ball Z again. It's not some like fusion dance thing. We have to physically touch your counterpart to mush together into the new Marvel Prime 616, whatever you want to call it these days. Miles should have just morphed with Miles anyway. So why did evil Miles manage to escape? Is it because he's older? Because he spent time away in some pocket dimension somewhere or an alternate universe somewhere where time happens more quickly oh i don't know but I, I i totally see what kyle means and the john darwin reference there for listeners as kyle said google it it's a famous case of a fake death being an, an insurance fraud claim it was about 10 years happened about 10 years ago in britain and now uh the gentleman who faked his death and his wife are now in prison. So, <laughs> yeah, it's this, it's this thing of it doesn't stop you from existing, so how would he escape the kind of merger that with Secret Wars? I, I, I mean, we, we talked about it for sure in our last uh, Spider-Man 2 episode. And, and for me, it's kind of like with three issues in with that one, just having to let, kind of let go of the expectations, um, which is a drag. I mean, you build it up so much in your head as to what it could be. And he's clearly... I mean, the the whole editorial landscape has changed. As Kyle said, like, now Secret Wars happened. Like, what is – where can you go from there? So it's it's new territory. It's not necessarily what we had expected, and that, I think that's where the disappointment is coming in. So for me, I'm just trying to let go of those expectations and just kind of go along for the ride. Uh, we got another uh, message from Lawrence Miner II uh, about the Bendis verse. Hey guys, this whole Bendis first thing you talked about before got me thinking if Bendis will try to make Miles its centerpiece if he continues with the micro crossovers and tie-ins inside the multiple books he's currently writing. 
Funnily enough, Cable literally called him a centerpiece at the end of this issue. So, mm. yeah, yeah, nicely done. Yeah. It already it already seems apparent that this might be the case, as both the more recent Bendis vs. crossovers were a result of Miles's actions, like him fighting Hammerhead in the same club seen both in his series and Defenders, and now having personally met with the new Iron Man villainous Tomoe the Technogollum. Do you think he can continue to pull this off? And if so, who else do you think Miles will run into thanks to the Bendis verse? It's a good, good question and a good, good observation in terms of uh, things being the result of Miles's actions. I don't know. Um, off the top of my head, I'd like a do-over with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage after that conversation before Civil War Two. Yeah, because they had some some nice moments. Uh, the fact that Jessica kind of crossed over when Rio was and Gloria and that whole kind of investigation side of things that was a a nice like you know reasonable rational way to tie Jessica into to Miles and have her meet him and all that kind of thing and then the much talked about weird awkward moment with Luke Cage <laughs> so I agree with you Brian maybe we could do a do over and kind of try and reestablish their relationship and and build a kind of better dynamic between those characters I wouldn't mind seeing maybe Riri Williams from Invincible Iron Man crossover oh, nice. and get get Ironheart involved because I think she's again one of the kind of could be a, a future centerpiece going forward for for Bendis. But yeah, I'd I'd be intrigued to see. I'm I'm sure I'm I'm like racking my brains for other Bendis characters. I'm sure there's like a million of them because he's written basically every Marvel book at this point. Um, I don't know much about the Inhumans. Uh, I only knew about Tomoe from a friend of mine who had told me about her previously. So I'd be interested to see if we get more Inhuman stuff. I really want to see Miss Marvel. She's not a Bendis first character, but I loved when Kamala and, and Miles had their little dynamic going on. I really, really enjoyed that. I can't really think of anyone else. Possibly more X-Men from the Uncanny X-Men run that started at the same time as All New. Yeah, possibly, possibly. That's a good, good idea. And we had goal balls, so maybe some of his <laughs> his former teammates. So that is all of our listener feedback for this episode. So, Brian, if you had to summarize Spider Man issue twenty one in three words, how would you do it? I'm going to go with fresh, exciting, fun. This is the most fun I've had with a Miles story in a long time. I, I had a great time with it. Loved it. How about you, Jack? Mine kind of ties into my real life in a little way in that Tokyo looks fun because uh-huh. I'm I'm planning to go to Tokyo soon, listeners. So I'm following in Miles' footsteps. So I'll see if I can get locked up in a Yakuza gambling den as well and, and get attacked by Inhumans and Ninjas with laser swords. Or not. Or not. Maybe not. Pick a fight with a goblin gang. <laughs> okay, I, I think I could take on the Goblin Gang. I might be able to. I'm not so sure I could handle the ninjas with the laser swords, but I'll, I'll take on the Goblin Gang. I think I could handle those guys. Nice. We'd mentioned Lawrence uh, Miner's letter from earlier. Uh, he had another thing that I thought was a really cool idea, and we wanted to share it with you. He said, I have a tendency to put music to what I read, especially comics. Inspired by your three word summaries that you guys do at the end, I've been creating three song playlists for each issue. And for this one, the songs chose themselves. So I don't know, copyright-wise, if we can we can include these on the podcast, but we'll definitely put them on the show notes because I think they're all they're all great choices. Can we sing them instead, Brian? Oh dear, no. People are kind enough to download and listen to this. I don't think we need to to push our luck <laughs> with that. But 
I'll share with you. So uh, in memory of Miles' tux and all the hilarity it gave us and the Miles to Moe ship that has now risen its sails, Sharp Dress Man by ZZ Top. Very nicely done. Fighting a horde of biohack ninjas, the Inside the Sun remix of Kodo by the Sheeta Brothers. And for what the future might hold for our boy Miles, thanks to that bombshell of an ending, Johnny Rivers' Secret Agent Man. Secret Agent Man, Secret Agent Man. I always think of Bruce Willis's cover of that, I'm not going to lie. Oh my God, I forget. <laughs> Never forget Bruce Willis' Never did forget, cover of wow. Agent Man. How did you know about that? Because I'm old, Brian. So very, uh, very oh, no, 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 I'm old. That's what I'm saying. Like, how are you old <laughs> enough to... Good Lord. Because I hate Bruce Willis, so I went searching for things to find out. Like, oh, Another reason to hate Bruce Willis. Excellent. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's possible that a karaoke version of one of those tunes may have found itself uh, elsewhere in the podcast, maybe even in the recap section. But, Lawrence, great choices. Again, we'll put the uh, the links on our show notes because they really fit for this issue. Good, really cool idea. Thanks again. So, with that said, we'll get ready to wrap up. But we'd love to hear from you guys what you thought of this issue. Join the conversation. Hop over to ultimatespinpodcast.com. Click on the Talk to Us button. You can also connect with us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin or on our Facebook page at Ultimate Spin Podcast. And we're hanging out on Instagram at Ultimate underscore Spin underscore Podcast using the hashtags Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Spider-Gwen. And if you want to catch up with our older episodes, we're on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Just search for Ultimate Spin. And Jack, if our listeners want to follow up with your adventures outside of Ultimate Spin, where can we find you? They can find me at JLW Chambers on pretty much everything. Twitter, Instagram, all the social media. And I host a few other podcasts as well. Intercomics podcast has been talking generally about other comics. I join the Super 8-Bit Power Hour guys on the Four Color Corner, which is a monthly kind of comics book club show as well. And my film podcast is called Sequelizers. And we've just started season two of that. So it's a good jumping on point for you guys if you are interested in hearing some of me and my friends fixing terrible sequels that followed good movies so if you're a bit of a movie buff and you like terrible films or even if you hate terrible films come and join us on sequelizers how can people follow you on the internet brian uh as for me other podcasts social media all that good stuff uh your one-stop shop is project37.net and coming up in our next episode in spider gwen number 25 gwenum finally starts here. Gwen's life changes as she bonds with her universe's version of the Venom symbiote. What does it mean for her relationship with the crime kingpin Matt Murdock, with her father, with the Osborns? We're going to find out soon. And then in Spider-Man issue number 234. Wait, yes, wait, what? really? What? Oh my god, what? Really? Oh Thank my. you, Marvel Legacy. Miles' world has been shaken a lot lately, but nothing will compare to what the mysterious Iron Spider and his brand new Sinister Six will do. Sandman, Hobgoblin, The Spot, Electro, and Bombshell join this mystery villain to make Miles' life a living hell. And finally, Spider-Man 2, issue 4 in November. It's Miles versus Miles. The chaos of the moment is threatening to tear Peter's life apart. Can he possibly allow Miles to continue on as Spider-Man? And sadly, the real world feels like it's been a non-stop barrage of new headaches and new heartaches. So it's really important to grab distractions now and then to recharge and stay sane. So our thanks to the creators for these fun characters and their crazy comics. And our thanks to you for making the time to hang out with us to read and talk about it. Take good care. Be well. 
We'll catch you soon on The Ultimate Spin. 